2: Welcome to True Crime Garage, wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, is a music man with more hits than Rod Carew. He is the captain.
3: Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's good to be seen, and it's good to see you. Thanks for listening, and thanks for telling a friend.
2: Today, we are drinking The Truth by Flying Dog Brewery in Frederick, Maryland, garage-grade Let's do it, Captain. Five out of five bottle caps. Old poppycock. The Truth is a no-nonsense IPA. It's strong because of its 8.7 ABV, but not overly boozy because of its bright citrus and fruit flavors. The Truth is a perfect I-want-it-to-be-spring-already beer. And the truth was brought to us by first up, we have Morgan in Pataskala, Ohio.
3: And a big shout out to Melanie in New Jersey.
2: And a tip of the cap to some of our good garage friends, David and Cassidy, in Moral, Canada.
3: And a big we like you jib to Gregory in Snellville, Georgia. Hey Snellville. What? Snellville. <laughs> well, I can't help it. It sounds like a made up
2: place. They're, they're all they're, they're all made, made up, up at some point, I guess. Yeah. Next up, we have Abram in Zarkonia, North that's Carolina. Not, that's not real. And last but certainly not least, we have Curry in Bel Air, Maryland.
3: Yeah, so thanks for the support. Thanks for telling a friend. Thanks for the five-star reviews on iTunes. And if you'd like to get a hoodie, they're on sale now. It's a pre-sale for 10 days. Go to the website, truecrimegarage.com.
2: That's 10 days only. So let the True Crime Garage hoodie countdown begin, right, Captain? Yeah, that's enough of the business. Everybody gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime. The following is an account of a horrific and violent robbery. Many news outlets covered this story. What you are about to hear is comprised of articles that ran in the Washington Post on March 13th and 14th 2011. One article led with the headline. Both victims in Bethesda yoga store attack were beaten and raped. Two men wearing masks and gloves entered an upscale yoga clothing store in downtown Bethesda after closing hours this weekend. They killed a worker and sexually assaulted another, officials said. Detectives think the attack began as a robbery about 10 p.m. Friday. The assault victim, who is expected to survive, was found bound in the back of the store Saturday morning. She was hospitalized and has been talking with detectives. Police declined to say how the homicide victim, identified as 30-year-old Jaina Murray, was killed. But law enforcement sources confirmed a horrific, bloody scene inside Lululemon Athletica, part of a chain of stores that began popping up a few years ago across the country. Violent crime is exceedingly rare in Bethesda's Central Business District. Law enforcement and government officials could not recall a recent homicide. We're all stunned. No one can remember another murder in the last 20 years, said Ken Hartman, a local government official. The Bethesda store sits between a stationery store and an Apple retail store that has been buzzing with its hot new product, the iPad 2. It was unclear how long the assailants were in the store. The two victims had closed the store at 9 p.m. Friday and left a short time later, police said. One of them realized that she had left something behind and didn't have the means to get back inside. She called her coworker who met her at the store and let her inside, leaving the door unlocked. Detectives think that the men dressed all in black with faces and hands covered entered a short time later. Because the intruders were covered, police have come up with only limited descriptions with one being six foot tall and the other a little over five foot three. According to police, the following morning, a female worker arrived to open the store. She heard a faint noise in the back of the store. She retreated and called a man who was outside to come into the store. The man went in and he saw what he thought were two bodies in the back of the store. Police were called. Detectives believe this started out to be a robbery, said Captain Paul Starks of the Montgomery County Police. He said the noise was likely from the surviving victim, who was 27 years old. A bystander told the Washington Post that the survivor appeared to be badly bruised. A Lululemon regional manager was at the scene and described the two victims as great people. Detectives were still searching for witnesses who may have been working at nearby stores. The day after the homicide... The police blocked off the sidewalk in front of the lululemon store with yellow tape directing pedestrians across the street the store's large front windows were covered with sheets of paper a young woman who works at a nearby salad shop said lululemon employees stop by there for lunch they're all great peppy happy people and nice to talk to as for previous homicides in the area in 1989, about six blocks from the yoga store, a gunman described as a disgruntled employee of Chevy Chase Federal Savings Bank, opened fire with a 38 caliber revolver in a bank office, killing three coworkers and shooting a fourth in the face before killing himself. A year later, a jeweler at a store along Wisconsin Avenue shot two men to death after a holdup. The jeweler ultimately was cleared of all charges. The Lululemon attack was the first homicide in this area in 20 years, and this is True Crime Garage. The Lululemon Company was founded by Chip Wilson in Vancouver, Canada back in 1998, Now, in 2001, the company began selling yoga wear. The retail store became quite popular, and today they have a few hundred locations. Today, Lululemon describes its brand as yoga-inspired technical athletic apparel company that makes clothing for women and men. The brand has, of course, received criticism over the years, partly for the quality and marketing of its products, but also for comments Made publicly by the company's founder, Chip Wilson. Chip would eventually resign as the uh, CEO. This took place in 2013.
3: what, now, what were these comments?
2: Oh, um, do you do we want to do that? Sure. Okay, let's do it.
3: I, I've never heard that he made bad comments.
2: Well, so uh, and I, you have to forgive me. I do not know much about the Lululemon brand or or its you know its mm-hmm. products. Um, I, so I did a little research on the internet and that was a lot of the stuff that came up first was, you know, people like to read salacious things. And when people say bad things, people have fun reading that. So Mm -hmm. it popped up a lot. It was a kind of uh body shaming uh, Mm. comments, you know, making comments like, um, so bigger people, they, they don't make so many clothes for, for larger people. Right. And and when, when asked about that specifically, his response was something like, well, our clothes just don't work on those people. You oh, know? yeah, yeah. It's the person's fault. That yeah. They didn't. That because that's how clothes them. work. <laughs> right. You know, right.
3: clothes only work for certain sizes. All right. Well, so this guy's a real piece of shit. Well,
2: you, you know what's funny is his name, Chip Wilson. Doesn't that sound like a like a made-up character that would be in some kind of, uh, yeah. like he's the bad guy in some comedy movie?
3: Yeah, it sounds like a real dick nose.
2: All right. So anyway, our story is going to be centered around the Lululemon store located in Bethesda, Maryland. Now, Bethesda is a wealthy and well-educated area. According to the 2000 census, Bethesda was the best educated city in in the United States of America with a population of 50,000 or more.
3: A lot of people study computer there.
2: Lots of them. Now, speaking of population in 2011, Bethesda's population was about 61,000 wonderfully high-educated people. Mm. Anyway, so Lululemon staffs its stores with outgoing, athletic, and ambitious people who write their life goals and display them inside their stores. Their personalities are key to the store's success. Employees get discounted apparel which they are expected to wear to nearby health clubs and yoga studios. Right. They become walking advertisements for Lululemon's $100 yoga pants and $60 running shirts
3: that are only made for small people.
2: Yes. Now, we have well, with that guy gone, who knows what they're doing now. We shouldn't I mean, he's no longer their guy. Right. Well,
3: hopefully they're making good products for
1: everybody. There we go.
2: Now we have two victims in this story, in this robbery, uh, that turned into a vicious attack that left one woman murdered and the other brutalized and afraid. Jana Murray was 30 years of age when her life was stolen from her. She was formerly of Houston, Texas. She was born in November 22nd of 1980 in Wichita, Kansas, to David and Phyllis Murray. David, Jana's father, was a Houston oil operations manager. So that led to her traveling the world quite a bit as a youngster. She tried the Girl Scouts when she was a kid, um, but she only did this for a little bit because she found it too boring.
3: Yeah, she sold so many cookies. She was the number one sales cookie girl of the, the world.
2: Well, I guess. She got so bored with it. I guess she began tagging along on Boy Scout outings with her two brothers and her father. Mm-hmm. Uh, the father was a scoutmaster. He's also a former army officer. Yeah. Now, later in life, Jana studied marketing in graduate school at Johns Hopkins University. And while there, she noticed a friend's bag decked out in sayings from a store with a funny name and no capital letters mm-hmm. this is being lululemon athletica she learned more about its grassroots marketing strategies and wrote a paper about lululemon which led to a job at the company's bethesda store Jaina was a wonderful family she comes from a wonderful family a great upbringing right she was active socially and physically and it appears she was a big fan of bungee jumping so Mm -hmm. A a brave woman with maybe a little daredevil side to her. Jaina's family launched a foundation to remember the adventure seeking young woman. Her father had the following to say about his daughter after she was killed, saying she was one of the most fearless people he has ever known in his life and adding that that's as objective as a father can get. He really admired Jaina for everything she did and everything she represented. David Murray said that, uh, you know, people always commented to him that, that it was her smile and it was also her hugs. That was the way that she would often greet people, whether she knew you for a short period of time or knew you for years. Mm -hmm. She wanted to make people feel comfortable and happy. Jana Murray was, uh, who was 30 years old and she was, when she was killed, she was only weeks away from completing a master's degree and she had a close knit circle of friends. Now, our other victim, who police said when they arrived at the Lululemon store and found her, we thought she was dead. Yeah. This is Brittany Norwood. She was two years younger than Jaina. Brittany comes from a large family. Her parents, Earl and Larkita Norwood, are described as being polite to the point of formal. A friendly and generous couple who raised nine children to act the same way. Mm -hmm. The Norwoods... They own a furniture, upholstery, and fabric business. Now, even in the years where their business was struggling, the Norwoods forked out thousands of dollars a year to keep their children playing traveling soccer. Brittany Norwood went to high school in Federal Way, Washington, just about 20 miles from Seattle. This is at Decatur High School, where she was a skilled soccer player and was named Rookie of the Year as a sophomore and most valuable player as a senior. Yeah, she went on to college. She went to college at Stony Brook University in New York, where Norwood studied sociology and played soccer there as well. Yeah, Sue
3: on scholarship. Mm-hmm,
2: Sue Ryan was the head coach of the women's soccer team there at Stony Brook, and she said at the 2002 team, I'm sorry, at the 2002 team release that Norwood had the mental makeup to be the best defender in the league. Brittany hates losing more than she likes winning, Ryan said. Now, classmates said that Norwood was fun to hang out with, saying she could be so sweet, so funny. She was an amazing soccer player. Brittany Norwood attended the university's College of Arts and Science from 2000 to 2004, but did not receive a degree. Before working at Lululemon, she had previously worked at the Willard Intercontinental Hotel working the front desk. This is a luxury hotel located on Pennsylvania Avenue Mm. near the White House. There, Brittany quickly displayed enough charm and smarts to earn the assignment of managing VIP guests. So when dignitaries and big shots arrived at the hotel, they would often be greeted by Brittany Norwood, who would help get them checked in and get them settled. Yeah. Behind the scenes hotel work can be a grind, uh irritable and jet lag guests demanding this and that from you, but Brittany Norwood was described as always upbeat. One manager called her a cheerleader and referred to Brittany Norwood as the sunshine amid the storm. That's how I describe the <laughs> that's how I described the captain.
3: Well, you know the captain. He's a uh, sunshine. Amongst the storm, Mr. Sunshine. Yeah.
2: So shall we take a more detailed look at the crime, the crime scene and what evidence they are going to use to round up these turd monkeys? Mm -hmm. Okay. Here's a more exact timeline of the slang. So on, on Friday, March 11th, 2011. Now police would later speak with a regular customer. Now her name is Jana Carlson. Carlson was one of several customers that were in the store shortly before closing that night. Carlson said that she was in the store for a little more than an hour. And at the time, at sometimes she was the only customer in the store. She, like the other customers, all said the same thing. No one saw anything suspicious, nothing that stood out to anyone. No one, you know, no customers saw anybody casing the joint. Let's say. Yeah. Now,
3: and now this is like a mall.
2: Well, it's it's kind of a mall. We should we maybe we should paint a better picture than that. It's it's not a mall in the sense where you walk in and you know there's a atrium and there's hallways that lead right. to all these different storefronts. These are these are self standing stores that that have their own storefront. They're not inside of a, a mall. You park your right, car and you walk. A,
3: but it's a large community of stores.
2: Yes, it's a it's a. Uh,
3: Basically outside mall.
2: It's a business district, mm-hmm. you know, so it's this Lululemon store is going to be surrounded by other stores. Like we said, there's an Apple store. There's a stationery store. They basically share a wall mm-hmm. with these other businesses. There's also restaurants in the area. So this could, this is probably a very busy evening there on this Friday, especially yeah. with the Apple store having the new iPad coming out. Yeah. Now, Jana, she, the customer said that she actually interacted with both of the victims during her Lululemon visit, stating that the two seemed like the perfect sales team. Carlson stayed and chatted a while before walking out with new running pants, a running jacket, a shirt, and a headband. She spent quite a bit of money, I'm sure. $4 million. (laughs) <laughs> there was absolutely nothing wrong inside the Lululemon store, according to this customer and other cu- customers. Now, at 9 p.m. that night, Jaina Murray and her fellow employee, Brittany Norwood, they closed the Bethesda Row Lululemon Athletica store for the night. So this means at this time, everyone is out of the store and Jaina and Britney would have locked the doors at this time before finishing up their closing duties. Right. At 9:45 p.m., they were both done, so they set the alarm, they locked the store, and they left. Now, around this time, after having left the store, Jaina calls her manager. They have a very brief work-related conversation, and then a short time later, Britney discovered that she had left her wallet or pocketbook inside the store mm-hmm. now a lot of times and you know this captain but maybe not everybody knows this a lot of times these stores will have like a small locker room where you where the employees can keep their things during their shift yeah i used to i used to actually lock my keys inside the locker with my other items so i couldn't i couldn't actually leave without taking all my stuff with me well
3: but, you what do you mean the keys to the store or keys to your car keys to my car well, you could technically leave the building without all your
2: stuff. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. make it. Wouldn't make it very far. Right. I would want my car to go home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, that was just me, and it, and so Brittany leaves this item behind. Mm-hmm. But Jaina is the one with the keys to the store. And actually, as I understand it, Brittany was somewhat new to the store. She had previously worked at another Lululemon location, yeah. and had transferred to this store. So. Brittany had not been at this store long enough to have the keys or to be. Well,
1: at
3: she wasn't the manager, either. the
2: employee level of someone that would open or close the store.
3: Right. That's what managers do.
2: Now here again, Brittany being kind of new, she doesn't have Jana's phone number. Mm-hmm. So she has to call another store employee, someone she is closer with from that person. She gets Jana's phone number. And then she called Jaina. She told her that she had left her wallet. And so the two met back at the store. They entered the front door at 10.05 p.m. Now, right at this time is when the police believe that the two suspects in this case followed the two women inside probably just seconds after the two victims entered the store. So the door was not locked when the two women went inside. You know, you're just you're just running in real quick to retrieve something that you left behind.
3: Yeah, it's believed that Brittany forgot her wallet, but Jaina forgot a laptop. So they were both going to just go in, unlock the door, run to the back. They got to turn off the alarm and then grab the stuff and go.
2: Mm -hmm. Now, according to the surviving victim, when the two women were just about to leave the store again, two men appeared somewhat out of nowhere because the women had not heard anyone or or, or seen anything. There was nothing to tip them off that anybody was in the store. In fact, Brittany would later say that she believes that the two men were hiding behind a clothing rack or a display of some sort. So my guess would be that the, the police state that they believe that the men would have followed them into the store. Yeah. And And the reason why I think that they believe that is there's likely motion detectors on that security system. So mm-hmm. once they set it after it was set for the evening, if anybody would have moved at certain parts inside the store, it would have triggered the alarm. And so these guys, they were gone from the store long enough that that would have been activated. Uh, So they think that these guys probably just slipped in through the unlocked door, kind of hid themselves until the women got near them Mm -hmm. and jumped out at them. So the, the men wore dark clothing, gloves and ski mask, One of them is thought to be six feet tall, the other about five foot three. Now, I do want to mention before we move forward that these are not exact heights of these guys here. You know, I think we can make a good assumption as to how the investigators determine these heights, because as we will see, this is a very up close and personal attack on both women. So my guess would be that. Brittany is supplying the detectives with heights based on relation to her own height. Right. You know, something like this, how tall would you say they are? Well, I don't know. Okay. Are they taller or shorter than you both taller, but one, you know, just close to my height because Brittany was about five foot two. Yeah. You know, so she gives them heights of five foot three, maybe a little taller. And the other one is six feet tall. And I believe she may have said at least six feet tall.
3: Yeah, and she believes both men are Caucasian.
2: Now, height is going to be very, very important to these officers, I believe, if they want to track these guys down. Reason being, they're, they're disguised. You know, they're all in black. Their faces are covered. So when you have the heights of these gentlemen, well, I shouldn't say gentlemen, when you have the heights of these guys, mm-hmm. right, you are going to have potential security cameras, that are in the area that if you could see these guys, you know, if you see one guy that's about a head taller than the other dude dressed in black and you see them leaving the area or getting into a vehicle, you might be able to track these guys down. Maybe you can pull a plate number off of that security footage. Now, Brittany is going to be able to provide them like the captain said with one more detail regarding the physical description of the two offenders. She says she believes they are Caucasian. She believes they are white. Dudes. Now, remember, these guys have their faces covered, but she is going to base this off of how the men sounded in words that were said. So they sounded white. Yeah. So just a quick warning. This is a brutal attack, and we won't go through every single detail, but some things might be difficult to hear. So I just want to throw that out there. So almost immediately after the two women become aware that there are two intruders in the store, the one man attacks Jaina right away. He's hitting her repeatedly. Brittany is thrown to the ground by the second man. And he tells her that he will slit her throat if she's not going to be quiet. So the same guy that attacked Jaina, he took Jaina to the back of the store, dragging her by her hair. He was repeating repeatedly, repeatedly, hitting her along the way. Now, Jaina is screaming at this time, the men in their mask, according to Brittany, they, the men are laughing as this is happening. Now, Brittany would later tell the officers that there was so much blood coming from Jaina. The two masked attackers, she said, sounded white. And the man that assaulted Brittany said that he repeatedly used racial slurs. She told officers how he cut her down her stomach, and that the man said that he'd never been with one of her before. From there, Brittany could hear Jaina being attacked. Brittany Norwood said that she could hear Murray being hit repeatedly, but eventually the sounds grew faint. Brittany also said that the other masked man attacked and raped her in a different part of the store. And at one point, this man used a clothes hanger during the sexual assault and called Brittany a dirty whore. The man asked her where the money was kept in the store and dragged Brittany around the store. As he walked looking for valuables, Brittany is unsure of how long the attackers were in the store, but she said that at some point the attackers, both of them, they took her to the back of the store and they showed her Jaina Murray's body. And her, she was bloodied and lifeless by this point. This is when they threatened Brittany. See, the masked man, men told her that she was going to be spared. However, they had gone through Brittany's belongings. So they claimed to know her name, where she lived, and some information about her family. Mm-hmm. And they were going to, you know, they're, they're letting her know that if at any time for any reason or no reason at all, If they want to, they can find her, they can hurt her, they can kill her. Now she was told, and I'm a little unclear when this, this particular statement comes out because I I find this to be a strange statement, one coming from the victim and two and coming from the attackers, but, Uh but, you know, I actually heard somebody say the other day, um, uh, psychos are psycho. So don't try to, don't try to figure out if it's, you think it's weird or not. Yeah. But anyway, uh, at some point she, Brittany has told the investigators that she was being spared because she was quote, fun to have sex with. Mm. Now, Brittany was bound at the ankles and wrist with zip ties. And shortly after 8 a.m. the following morning, an employee showed up to open the store and saw trouble. She got frightened and, and left the store. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Everyone is still talking about Monopoly Go, for a good reason. It is an absolute hit. Delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches. Unique playing pieces and so much more. The verdict is in. With Monopoly Go, there's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now free
1: on the App Store and Google Play. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. Get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com garage. Visit IXL.com garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com garage today.
2: The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless. When Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. Save a lot of money with Mint Mobile. Get their great mobile wireless service delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. That's premium service at a great price. while your subscription is active.
3: All right, we're back. Cheers, mates.
2: Cheers. So as we said, Captain, the opening manager for the Lululemon store on that Saturday, March 12, 2011, arrived at the store for work shortly after 8 a.m. Now, this manager sees and hears and or here's something that is going to make her turn around and go back out of the store. Now, right next door is that Apple store that we spoke about. Remember we said that the new iPad was coming out or was released that weekend?
3: Yeah, I believe it was the iPad 2.
2: Well, there was a man out front of the Apple store waiting for the Apple store to open up for the day. So the lady from Lululemon asked this man, Would you go into the store with me? Now he goes in with her. He finds what he would later describe as two bodies. They call the police. So first responders are showing up at the scene expecting to find two dead women inside the Lululemon store. Responding officers saw Brittany Norwood tied up on the floor in a restroom, but she was alive. She was taken to a hospital and interviewed by a detective. Both women were violently attacked. Jana Murray received what has been quoted as catastrophic injuries yeah. that rattled even longtime law enforcement officers. Brittany was hospitalized and her condition continued to improve, the police had said on that Saturday. Police had a theory, and this is a good one, and it, it does involve the Apple retail store. So. They began selling the new hot iPad 2, as you had said, about 5 p.m. on Friday. This, as we all are aware, would be a high-ticket item, right? So we're going to expect to have many people out at this Apple store on Friday. Uh, So possibly many targets and people with money. So the police speculation was this. That the two assailants that ended up going into the Lululemon store, that maybe they were there because they wanted to be near the Apple store at closing time. Yeah. You know, late after dark, maybe to rob customers as they are going to their vehicles.
3: Or to rob the Apple store because they have a lot more money on hand because they were selling so many iPad 2s. Mm
2: Mm-hmm. And the police thought, well, maybe while these two guys were there casing the joint, while they're, they're planning this robbery, whether it be of a customer or of the store, instead they see what might be an easier or maybe even a better score when they see two women by themselves return to the closed Lululemon store, enter the store, and then leave the door unlocked. I mean, these guys could have just been loitering out front for all we know. Yeah. Now, within days, police had collected forensic evidence from the Lululemon store, finding bloody shoe prints throughout the store. One set of prints was from a men's tennis shoe, size 14. Police do point out, and this, Captain, I found to be very surprising. This was surprising to me, and I I think you will feel the same way. But police pointed out to the public that they had what they called a lack of video surveillance in Mm. this case, which, I mean, we we talked about this. These are higher end stores.
3: Yeah. You'd think that there'd be videos inside the store and probably facing the storefront.
2: Yes. And Lululemon did not have any video cameras inside its actual store. Right. Now, so according to local news reports, within days of the murder, police had not formed a solid theory about why the attack happened, but they think the attack was random and have found no evidence that either victim knew the attackers. The county police chief said, we have no indication at this point that this was anything but a random crime of opportunity due to the nature of the attack. Detectives were hopeful that forensic evidence from the crime scene will lead to DNA profiles of the offenders.
3: Right, so we have shoe prints of, you know, size 14 male's shoe. And then we also have 8 to 10 items that were used in the attack. But police also believe that those items were all items that were came from the store.
2: And when we say that they're hoping to find DNA profiles of the two attackers, well, we, we did mention sexual assaults
3: right on on both females
2: and as well we have talked about this on our show plenty of times that when you have these violent attacks and uh, to say violent attack on on Jaina is is a huge understatement
3: yeah I think she had a hundred and five or more um, self-defense wounds mm-hmm. meaning that she was you know she's getting struck by these different items and she's holding her hands up. And on her forearms and her hands, there's over 100 and some uh, attack marks.
2: So if you can't recover DNA from the two sexual assaults, you as an investigator, you're hoping that the in this struggle, that one of the offenders was injured themselves or cut themselves on something and that you may find blood from one or both of the suspects still at the crime scene.
3: Well, and this whole crime scene is covered in blood.
2: It's a, it was an extremely bloody crime scene. Now yeah. Lulu Lululemon Athletica and its founder, our buddy Chip Wilson. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds Old like Chip
3: a Chip Wilson. It
2: sounds like a uh, a, a male uh, a, a a weatherman for a uh, a town nobody wants to go to.
3: <laughs> uh, welcome to the town of Lululemon, and this is meteorologist. Chip Wilson.
2: Well, the the, the company donated one hundred and twenty five thousand dollars to a reward fund for information. Federal, well, they would
3: have donated more, but their sales were down because they were only selling clothes to small
2: people. Well, and a local. I think this might be a local company. I'm not certain. Don't quote me on that. But a, I believe it's called Federal Realty. They offered up ten thousand dollars and Crime Stoppers, Crime Solvers did $1,000. So very quickly after this attack, the reward money for information was already $136,000. And investigators provided the public with a free long distance phone number and encouraged anyone with information to submit a tip we had talked about this captain we're talking about a shopping a what what is called a business district mm-hmm. that is full of stores and restaurants this is a friday evening when this crime takes place they're hoping that somebody walking by somebody driving their vehicle somebody saw something somebody heard something call in with a tip we need some help on this case
3: so this is gets a little confusing to me because we don't have surveillance quote unquote but we do have surveillance I guess, of the area. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes when it's reported, it makes it seem like that we have surveillance of the storefront of Lululemon, but that's not very clear. So I think somewhere they have footage of possibly these two men, one being over six foot tall, one being around five, three, five, four.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the way that this goes down and this is pretty early in the investigation we're talking about with that weekend or by Monday, right? And I wouldn't call it a break in the case, but police see on surveillance footage two men, as the captain said, matching the very vague description of the attacker. So what does that mean? It, the, the height is correct. And they're yeah, we, white. Yeah. We have a tall guy. We have a shorter guy. They're dressed all in black. They're not wearing mask. Yeah. but they're, they're white dudes dressed in black and the height is correct.
3: Well, and one has a book bag and I believe... That um, Brittany said that one of the attackers had a book bag and one didn't.
2: You know, there's probably a few people out there listening, going, "What? W- what do you mean? There is surveillance or there is no surveillance?" Yeah. Well, we got a full disclosure here. The way that the way that some of these reports sound, it, it's worded and sounds like they may have surveillance footage. What we cannot find clear cut evidence of. Is a definitive statement of somebody saying we pulled the footage from from right in front of the Lululemon store,
3: right, or where they pulled the footage from. and
2: and saw these guys. This may become this may become more clear later as we discuss the area a little more. Hmm. But I think what we can deduce from these different reports about this crime and as the information and evidence started coming out is that there was some type of surveillance footage. Now, what that means, though, guys, is this, that we have multiple storefronts. I would be willing to to wager pretty good on this, that we're, that we're pretty accurate on this statement. Some of these storefronts have surveillance cameras. Others do not. So what the police are going to use, they're going to go around and they're going to pull footage from as many places that actually have it. They're going to view it and they're going to try to piece together what they see going on to camera and off to camera. And they're going to base those movements of those individuals and try to determine where they're going once they're off camera based on the direction that they're heading, what storefronts they might be walking toward. So when we say that we have surveillance footage of two men matching the vague description, keep in mind, this is not this is not them saying we see these two guys going into the Lululemon store. They're saying in the area around that approximate time, we have two guys matching that description. Now that could be one of two things. It's either a huge coincidence or you've captured the two offenders on security camera. Right. Okay. So there's something to work with. The other thing here is the two women's vehicles. So they find Brittany's vehicle parked where she said it, would be you know where she left it after returning to the lululemon store to retrieve the wallet or pocketbook
3: okay so i'm guessing that they were both parked where employees would park and so they had to walk a little bit further away from the store and then when britney calls to say hey i left my wallet back in the store that both employees took their cars and drove them closer to the store
2: yeah so it, it sounds like both of them had actually I shouldn't say both of them, but it, it sounds to me like the Jaina probably had left, actually left the parking lot. Okay. Before receiving the call to turn around and come back.
3: Yeah, because it's about fifteen minutes.
2: Yeah, there was enough time to to be actually driving for for a portion of that. Right. And you're right, Captain. Usually they have people park a considerable distance away so the c- customers can park closer. And yeah, so when you're returning. You're just supposed to be doing a quick in and out. You probably parked right the closest spot to the store yeah. would be my guess. So Brittany's car, the police. Now, mind you, she's in the hospital, so she's got to give them, tell them what, you know, what she knows from a hospital bed.
3: And and she has been attacked. It seems like it's uh, mainly with a knife. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks like there's cuts on her thighs and there's cuts on her breast. And I think she's beat up a little bit, but there are some signs of sexual assault.
2: Mm -hmm. And so Brittany, her vehicle is where they would expect to find it, where she says she left the vehicle. Yeah. The issue is Jaina's car. Jaina's vehicle is parked like, it's like three blocks away from the store.
3: So even further away.
2: Yeah. So indicating that sometime after the, I'm guessing after the attack, these the attackers, one or both of them, maybe used her car to flee the scene, and, and and or
3: or is it possible that's where she originally parked? And when she got the phone call, she just walked back. Yeah, possible.
2: Yeah, I mean these are uh you know this whole this whole store and its whole idea is built around uh, fitness. Yeah, you so know, park
3: and, a little further, get a couple more steps in for the day.
2: You know, using a victim's car to flee a scene is not that uncommon, though. You know, it is something that we see. We talked about earlier, you know, if if these guys were spotted on camera and they get into one of their own vehicles or a vehicle that could be traced to them, right? you don't necessarily have to be able to pull the entire plate off of that vehicle to track them down. You can pull a couple of numbers, matched with the description of the vehicle, and probably locate these dudes. So, mm-hmm. they... You might want to, if you're going to, you know, you got to keep in mind, too. If this attack went down the way that police initially thought, this was not, it wasn't a planned murder. It wasn't like these guys were hanging out, waiting to jump into the Lululemon store and kill somebody. Right. They, they just kind of stumbled upon this, let's say, opportunity, for a lack of a better word. And if they were seen fleeing the area, maybe their intention was to flee on foot. But after this, this horrific attack, after committing murder, maybe they changed their plans and decided, you know what, we got to, we got to get out of here and we don't want this traced back to us. We got to get out of here quick.
3: Well, law enforcement thought that these attacks probably took place within, you know, 45 minutes to like an hour and a half. So this was a long
2: attack. Mm Mm-hmm. The investigators, they examined surveillance cameras from the area, searching for signs of the mysterious attackers. Tips were coming in early in this investigation. They were receiving help from the public. The officers even followed a man that they thought might be a person of interest in this case. Now, nothing ends up coming out of this person of interest, person that they were following around. Right. Now, we talked a little bit about the area and about the uh, shopping, the stores, this attack. And rightfully so, this attack and murder, this terrified the public. This is a nice area. Business in this area in the following days was down significantly, less than half of what it would typically be. People did not want to be in this area. No one wanted to be the victim of the next random attack. Stores moved to install security cameras and private security guards escorted workers to their cars. There were even citizens that were going into some of the clothing stores in the area and asking if they had sold, if the store had sold ski mask to anyone that they thought was suspicious Mm. foot traffic along the road was extremely light during the following days. And many businesses, they were actually closing early because They had to do this each day because the employees that worked at the store were so nervous that they were closing early so that people could leave. Many officers worked this case. In fact, they received and responded to over 300 tips that were submitted from the general public. Everyone wanted these monsters to be caught, but we will introduce you to two of the main detectives in this case. The first that we will talk about is a young man or a young detective mm. this is officer dimitri ruvin after a few days into the investigation he had some issues with the original theory regarding two men just hanging out in front of the apple store waiting to attack an apple customer or go into the store and rob the apple store okay he was beginning to believe that maybe this random attack was not so random after all his suspicions well, they lie with the victims. Mm. So we have we have Jana; she's killed during the brutal attack, and right. then we have Brittany, who is spared. Okay. Okay. So the the reason why he has an issue with this original theory and an issue with the victims, well, an issue with Brittany's story. Well he's what at this point in the investigation, he's actually talking to the other detectives and to officers and saying, you know, that theory we were kind of working with, with the Apple store. Right. I, I I'm not into that theory so much anymore. And the reason being is what he refers to as an imbalance in wounds and an imbalance in injuries between the two victims here. He thinks that this imbalance of injuries might suggest that maybe Brittany was spared because she actually knew the attackers. Okay, okay. so you you referenced uh, Jaina's injuries earlier. Now, we would learn that there's over 300 wounds to Jaina. These are overlapping wounds. She had 107 defensive wounds. Her spinal cord was severed. Her skull was crushed. And then we have Brittany it's a whole different story. She, yes, she, she has, she's bloodied. She has cuts to her head, hand, breast, stomach, and legs. But what we see with Jaina is a completely different scenario. We're seeing an individual that was attacked with multiple weapons. And these are overlapping wounds to the point where the investigators aren't really sure, you know, when you're, when you're looking at something, if, if, if somebody's beat with a club, Someone stabbed someone's in, right. and, and and these injuries are to similar parts of the body. It gets tough to, to, to disseminate what, uh, item was used to create those wounds. And in her case, how many items were used to create these wounds?
3: Yeah. They, I mean, they found blood on, I, th- I think it was, I heard one of the detectives say he believes that it was eight to 10 items. That's a lot of items.
2: Yeah, um, they would ultimately end up taking, um, I think it it might have been 10 or to a dozen items from the store that they thought could have possibly been used in the attack. And they ended up submitting those for evidence. I've seen some crime scene footage or, or photos from this Lululemon store. And, you know, you had said earlier there was blood everywhere. And that is a very good description, my friend. There was blood on the walls, on the floor. The area of the store where it's very obvious with, that they were attacked, it, it's just its just a bloody mess is what it is.
3: So the detective, Dimitri, he's coming out with this theory saying, okay, there's some stuff that's not lining up here. And we have two attackers, right? Mm-hmm. One that's six foot tall, one that's 5'3". That seems pretty small for uh, a, a male. But we think that they're both... Caucasian we have tons of wounds and one dead employee Mm -hmm. and we have another one that doesn't have as many wounds and she's still alive we have this discrepancy as far as one car is being way farther away than the other car would be Mm -hmm. and and possibly there's a robbery of some kind yeah you know we have one set of footprints, not two. that's a little strange, Mm -hmm. but so he starts to come up with this idea that maybe they knew Brittany, so they spared her life or maybe possibly she's in on
2: it. Right. You know, and any investigator would tell you this, when, when you're talking about a robbery of a store or a restaurant or a business of any kind, the first angle they usually look at, Is, was this some form of inside job? And there's many different inside jobs that can go down. It could be a a former employee, you know, that has knowledge of the general operations of that business that would know when doors would be unlocked or when people would be vulnerable to be taken hostage, where money's located, what days they have the most money in the, in the business, things of that nature. And then you have current employees. Okay. Well, It could be a current employee coming in when they're not scheduled to work and robbing the place, or you get some Goombas that you know, Mm -hmm. and you have them come in and guess what? Why don't you, Goomba one and two, Mm -hmm. why don't you come in and rob the store when I'm there? And here's what I'll do. I won't put up a, you know, I'm not going to put up a big fight. We just got to, you got to maybe rough me up a little bit to make it look real. Right. I'll lead you to where all the valuables are. We'll make it easy for you to get into the store and get out of the store. Now, the issue here is we have another worker. Mm -hmm. So where I think Dimitri's suspicions lie is, look, they, they were turned to the store because of Brittany. Right. Who survived? Brittany. Brittany, right. It's starting to look like these two victims, quote unquote victims, were only at the store because Brittany put them at the store. Right. And then we also don't know what went down once they got to the store. Who was the last one in the door? Was it, who should have been responsible for locking that door? Right. If anyone, I mean, the right, right, right. the intention was to grab something and leave, but you know, did Brittany walk in behind Jaina and conveniently not lock the door because she knows that she's got Goomba one and two showing up within the next five minutes. Right. And then all of a sudden, these guys show up and all hell breaks loose. It turns into this horrific, horrific murder.
3: And we have some evidence of sexual assault on both victims. So, you know, Dimitri is kind of going on a limb on this idea.
2: Yeah. I I
3: mean, you got to be sensitive about this. You have you do have at this point in the investigation, you have two victims and you have two victims that we have some evidence of sexual assault.
2: Yeah. Well, and you cannot, you look, if your suspicion is that Brittany was in on this somehow, I mean, how are you going to investigate this, but still treat her? She still needs to be treated like a victim. You, you can't, you can't, if you can't show all your cards here, if that's your suspicion, you can't bring her in and say, look, we know you did this and then, and then you're wrong. And then you're wrong and you find out she was sexually assaulted, that she was brutalized by these two guys. She didn't know who they were at all.
3: Right. Then that just makes you a piece of shit.
2: So I guess if you start to go down that road, Captain, it gets easy to start venturing off and going down some other roads as to possible questionable things with inside the story or what you're finding at the crime scene.
3: Yeah. I mean, this detective, Dimitri, I mean, certain things are just not lining up to him. And and I think when you start reading about these attacks, I mean, you have two white males. They attack.
2: Believed to be white. Believed to be. We should throw that out there.
3: Caucasian. And we have a white female worker and we have a black female worker. Mm-hmm. The white female worker is beaten to death. 300 and some attacks on her. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just ridiculous. And then you have a black female victim, both supposedly sexually assaulted, but she has significantly less wounds on her. And she was saying that they were saying all this racial stuff. And it to me, it just seems like that part of the story doesn't line up too much. You'd think if there was some if this was some kind of hate crime or racial uh, racially yeah, motivated, then they're killing the white girl and not the black girl. I mean, I, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me.
2: I see what you're saying. And, and I get that. I don't know that it, the way that Brittany describes this attack was that when she says racial slurs, she's referring to the man that attacked her. Right. Okay. And, and, According to her story, she's being attacked by one man after Jaina was dragged off into the back of the store by the other man who attacked her to the point where she could hear Jaina being hit. And then eventually the, the noises go faint and she doesn't hear anything. Right. So then you have to,
3: you have two different victims and two attackers. So then the marks would make a little more sense or the attacks being different make a little more sense when one is being attacked by one attacker and one is being attacked by the other attacker.
2: Yeah. And I see what you're questioning. And I, and I, I certainly thought about that as well. But what I, the conclusion I came to was that two separate attackers, two separate victims, almost like it's happening, like they're different events almost. And do we have a situation here where one offender is just so much more violent and brutal than the other? And yeah, possible. and we don't know if one of them's using racial slurs. We don't necessarily know that the other one would be a racist as well. Right. The thing here, though, that gets me, and I think you're on the right track because it seems to me like why would you leave any potential witnesses for this thing? I mean, if you if you brutally yeah. murdered one of the people in the store, regardless if she's white, black, or green, or purple, or whatever, maybe
3: they didn't know she was dead,
2: and And then you leave somebody alive. Well, I I think they do because I, you know, when they show Brittany the body of, of Jaina, that's when they threaten her. And it's almost like, I don't know the exact words. We don't have the exact words for what they said to Brittany in that instance. But I can, I almost picture this in my mind of the two assailants holding this, this woman hostage. Mm Mm-hmm. And holding her captive, and they're all three looking down on the on this murdered victim, and they're going, look. I mean, it's almost kind of like, look what we did. We can do this to you, too.
3: Yeah, but why wouldn't you just do it to her then? And you want to wait. T- Again, there's so many things that don't line up in this story, and we're going to get to those and make sense of those tomorrow.
2: We will see everybody back here in the garage tomorrow. Until then, everybody, please be good, be kind, and don't litter.